Listed our show as one of the podcasts to listen to. Yeah. How great is that? Out of all the podcasts, they chose us. Yeah, we were in what, the top five? Top five, top ten, something. I they, they didn't have it listed as top five. They just put a bunch of them that they liked. Right, right. And Coast to Coast was right before us. And I used to love that show. Wow. Um, with Art Bell. You remember that show? Please. It was so, not only was it so famous when I was on one station that when we got off the air, that was the next show. Mm-hmm. So I remember the uh, the logo and the sweeper and, and everything was East all over the, the Rockies. place. Please uh, dial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Art Bell was great because he would just have the wackiest people in the world call mm-hmm. in and he would work overnights. Right. So people would call up and say, I'm from the future. And he would talk to them for three hours. <laughs> right. He would be, please hold. We'll be right back. We're talking to this guy from the year 2026. <laughs> and, and the guy would just stay on the phone the whole time. And he would be so, you know, you hear the, the yes, Art. Uh, I'm, uh, yes. And he would believe everything. Right. Yeah. Art, I saw a uh, E.T. Oh, you did. What did the E.T. look like? Um, <laughs> he, he was little and gray, and he had big eyes. And this would go on for hours and hours. For hours, and hours, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. he took he took everybody seriously. He would interview them like they were dead serious. And the next person would call and just say something just as wacky. Hi, I know you guys are living in the third dimension, but I am calling from the eighth dimension. Oh, you are. Okay, so... Oh, that's uh, how's exciting. It hold on. Uh, can you hold on through a break? We we don't want to lose you. So hold on. Right. We'll be- <laughs> just if we lose connection, just please call back. Uh, thank you, Art. I'm, I'm changing my voice because I don't want, uh, you know, people. Then it's great. We don't want people to come get you. And uh, uh, there, there was one time it's like, Art, I'm sitting outside uh, Area 51. You're sitting outside Area <laughs> Hold on one second. <laughs> if there's any aliens listening, uh, would you please call? Because John is out. There. I'm, I'm right here, Art. Uh, I gotta. There's people looking at me, Art. There's people looking at him right now. I think it's the army. I think it's the FBI. And, and this was, <laughs> it's the greatest show. So to be on the same list as Art Bell, I, I it was pride. Wait, can I, you? I'm surprised that you only did the Area 51 guy, and you didn't do the guy who was calling from hell. There's a guy calling from hell. Oh, that was one of my favorites. Art, I'm yeah, that Art. right. That he was hanging out with Satan. He was like, yeah, he was. Art, I guess I he was calling from, away right. from Satan. He's here, and I'm calling you from hell. He's calling us from hell. Now this has got to be an expensive <laughs> phone call. How long can you stay on with us? Art, I only can take. 15 minutes uh, because the uh, our 15 minutes in hell sounds like a game I used to play in elementary school I'm not playing around Art I'm telling you this is the real thing I'm in hell see that's Satan Art we're hearing Satan right now and I believe you 100% yeah yeah so yeah nobody was lying everybody was calling and he yeah dead serious yeah but he would do overnight so he'd go on at midnight and get off at six and it was just six hours of that crap of people calling him saying they're from the future or they're a vampire or they're a ghost or right it was know, fantastic whatever. it was the greatest radio ever so I, so coast to coast are they um are they playing old episodes because art bell has died in case people don't know but so are they playing old episodes I of him, or do they, call they have in a new all host? All the time, though, no, from hell. I still call <laughs> <Okay>. in. <laughs> no, they have a new. Uh, they have a new host, and it's it's not the same without Art Bell. Right. Well, what what about if Art Bell calls in? If, <laughs> if <they> Art <laughs> Bell calls in, then they will get ratings. But see, that's the thing. It's overnights, so they don't really care as long as it takes up space on yeah. the radio station and it doesn't go off the air. Right. stations will put anything on it's true i mean these were 90 percent of the stations were small am stations <laughs> that had nothing going on so but 
somebody like me driving around at two o'clock in the morning, you had to listen to Art Bell. Yeah. Because right. that, that guy was sitting outside Area 51 and it was damn exciting. Yep. And that's the only show they're calling into. I mean, they weren't calling into. We, we were syndicated at the time. Nobody mm-hmm. was calling into our syndicate. Once in a while, we got some wackos. But really, he had them all the time. Them. Come on, call us. Oh, wackos. yeah. No, no. Absolutely. I mean, we got a guy to call us from a dumpster. It was fantastic. But, <laughs> but you know, we weren't we didn't have the Art Bell reputation. I mean, he really was iconic like that. Yeah, I mean, you could even goof on us. You can call up and go- we'll put you on the air. We don't care yeah, as long as it's entertaining. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> we're down with it. And uh, Xenon 936 agrees. He says Art Bell was awesome. He was awesome. He was awesome. And yes. he ended up like this small house. He had a studio in it in the middle of Nevada. And mm-hmm. that's where he would do his show every night was from this little house that he wouldn't tell anybody where he's at. Right. But, you know, if somebody was calling in from a spaceship, he he would be right, you know, Art, I'm on a UFO <laughs> right now. Um, they just, uh, he's from the UFO, so we're going to be quiet now. I'm in Nevada. Stop it, honey. I'll be right. I'm on the air. <laughs> Art, uh, this is not a time to play. I'm on the UFO. This is a, I have a really good connection, but uh, they're looking at me. He's, yep, so. Yeah, I'm hovering over the Statue of Liberty right now. Yeah, (laughs) We we miss Art. Name the one you have chosen. Goes by the name of... It's Cooper and Anthony. Did you believe something when you were a kid that you look back and you go, why did I believe that? You mean like the Tooth Fairy Santa Claus type stuff? No, like if you swallowed gum, that it would stay in your stomach for seven years. Yeah, of course. You believe that? Oh, yeah. I mean, every every kid knew that. I mean, that was, yeah. <laughs> so you still have gum in your stomach from the second grade, probably. Well, no, but I'm, I'm an adult now. I know that that's not the case. Well, that's number one on this list of facts people believed when they were kids that are completely fake. So that's stuff not like real. If you, stuff like if you swallow a watermelon seed, the entire watermelon is going to grow inside it's gonna of you. It's going to grow inside of you. Yeah. And I think every kid, this is funny. Number two, we were really scared about the Bermuda Triangle. At one <laughs> I know point. that was, you're right. That was like the big story back then. Like why everything happened every time anything went missing. It was Bermuda Triangle. Bermuda. Tri- they really scared us to the point where like, if I got on a plane, I was like, are we going to be flying over the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah. I think every six year old, my, my six, my, oldest son went through this phase around six years old you just freaked out by that and you kept thinking why don't you fix it what is the problem why can't we figure out what this thing is right yeah number three this lady said my mom made me think it was illegal to turn on a light in the car while driving (laughs) (laughs) don't you turn that light on it's against the law they'll pull us over Oh, come on, mom. I got. Yeah. My that is parents. some good parenting. I mean, I have, I have a friend that used to tell her, used to tell her daughter, my friend, that if uh, you had Halloween candy that lasted past November 1st, it went bad and it would make you sick and you would die. <laughs> so any Halloween candy you didn't eat on the 31st or the 1st, you had to give to your brothers and sisters to eat because otherwise, you know, if you waited too much time, it becomes poisonous and then you die. Mm hmm. And don't turn that light on because I'm going to get you. They're going to take mom to jail if you turn that light on again. Yeah, exactly. When I was younger, I thought all dogs were boys and all cats were girls. (laughs) (laughs) What? That is true. (laughs) Eight year old me accidentally swallows watermelon seeds. Guess what happens? That's what I told you. That's what I just said. You eat a watermelon seed, an entire watermelon grows in your stomach. (laughs) In your stomach. I used to think as a kid that the world used to be black and white until somebody invented colors. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that. That's funny. I think every old movie was black and white, and I don't think you actually could see color back then. Right. Like Uh, a dog. I thought the moon was following me all the time when I was a kid. It's right there. It keeps following me. I keep walking and it's still there. Yeah. Every time I would go into the bathroom, I would pull back the shower curtain because there's somebody behind it. Well, that's just smart. 
That's not I don't think that's one of the I mean, in case there is somebody crouched behind there. I think that's a smart thing to do. Pull it back. Make sure there's not a serial killer back there. Mm-hmm. You still do that. So that's why you like clear shower doors. That's right. Yeah. As a kid, I believe quicksand would be a much bigger problem in my life than it turned out to be. <laughs> that's true. All the cartoons that they watched, they made it seem like quicksand was going to be like a really big issue that we'd have to like think about on a regular basis. Like, I, I mean, I made it through like the first couple of years. I was like, hmm, no quicksand. How did mm-hmm. that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Every cartoon, somebody got stuck in quicksand and then they right. had to jump in and grab a rope and save them. Oh, yeah. Did your parents tell you your face is going to stick like that when you make ugly faces? Nah, my parents weren't like that. That's too corny. That's more like my my grandma might have said that. And I was like, shut up, bitch. Tearing off the mattress tag is a capital offense. That is something that people, I think, still think. Mm -hmm. Because you can't. It says it on it. It's, It's against the law to cut that tag off. No, it's against the law to cut that tag off in the store if you're not the consumer. But once you buy it and take it home, have at it. Grab a scissor. Do whatever you want. It's yours now. Mm-hmm. But not when it's in the store. You can't. So exactly. that's what they mean. But it doesn't say that on the tag. It says you go to jail if right. you cut this off. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Did you ever think when somebody would cross their eyes too long, it would get stuck like that? That was a thing. Like, I was definitely afraid that was going to happen. I had one friend that was able to look at you with one eye and just the other eye. They were able to make it move to the side. And I was like, stop doing that. It's going to stay like that. (laughs) When you turn off the basement lights and run upstairs before the demon catches you. Well, yeah, you have to do that. I still do that. (laughs) So if you're downstairs, you turn off the lights. You got to run real quick. Fly up the stairs. There's definitely an ocean monster when you're swimming and something touches your toes. That's probably true. Yeah. Uh, Growing up sucks because you realize a hundred bucks really isn't a lot of money. When you were a kid, Uh, you thought a hundred bucks was going to buy you a mansion. I thought $10 was a lot of money. It's a hundred bucks. I was like, wow, a hundred bucks. You can buy like everything you want, ever wanted ever in your whole wide world in the whole world like you're like a millionaire if somebody gives you a hundred dollars yeah, remember when you got your first hundred dollar bill you there's no way you're going to spend it i'm surprised i don't still have it <laughs> when is that going to happen i haven't gotten my first hundred dollar bill yet <laughs> we're still waiting <laughs> <laughs> i saw them when i was a bartender someone handed me one once i was like the fuck is this <laughs> I was like, this has to be there's no way this is real. I called the manager of I was like, I was like, check this. Is this real? <laughs> I just heard <laughs> legends about these. I've never seen one. Do they make hundred dollar bills? That feels like something I would have seen by Some now. Monopoly but... money. I've only seen yeah. ten dollar bills. I think you, <laughs> you you faked this one. Added a zero. I was told when I was a kid that if you kiss somebody, you're married. Oh, really? Yeah. That don't kiss anybody unless you want to be married. The minute you kiss them, that's it. You're married. You're you're stuck with them the rest of your life <laughs> so how many times have you been married <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I didn't kiss anybody but that's they knew uh, that i was one of those boy crazy girls so they told me that so i didn't run around kissing boys because i was like i don't want to be married to everybody in the second grade class i'm mm-hmm. not ready i'm only in second grade god yeah. that was true you'd have been married so many times so many times yeah, um, yeah the guys you kissed in your life i i didn't start that young though oh not in the second grade. I remember when I was in kindergarten, I was hitting mm-hmm. on chicks. In kindergarten? Yeah. <laughs> what was your What was your game then? Like, what was your What was your pickup line? I, I don't know. I just remember I had the hots for chicks. <laughs> Even like in the first grade, I had the hots for chicks. So, what do you do in nap time? Yeah, so you do. <laughs> She really wants to get to know you guys. What is this? It's the Cooper and Anthony Show. I don't know if you saw this today. I thought this was really interesting. The state of Vermont made history. It became the first state to require public middle schools and public high schools to give free condoms. No. Now, I understand high school, but middle school, like, whoa. I didn't realize. Look, I'm not stupid. I know that kids are having sex. You know, at younger and younger ages, I I get it. And certainly like public schools, especially where I'm from in Brooklyn, Um, but Vermont. So this is interesting. The law states that contraceptives 
must be readily accessible to students in grades 7 through 12 at the administration office, nurses' offices. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, that's how they're doing it. So they want to prevent and reduce unintended pregnancies and sexually transmitted diseases. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're doing sex education anyway at that age, you know, at home ec or whatever. Like in those types of classes, you have human sexuality or sex mm. ed or whatever they call it. And, you know, in, at your school and you got porn. Um, I mean, you got a phone, you got porn. Right. You know, right. I think well, it's what, different now than when we were growing up. I mean, we we heard about it from our friends, but we mm -hmm. didn't get to see it. No, yeah, I mean, think about. It. I don't know if you saw White Lotus on um, on HBO Max, but there's a like a fourteen, fifteen year old kid on it, and he's sitting around watching porn, jerking off. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like he's he's not in high school yet. He's probably eighth grade, seventh grade, or eighth grade. And not that he's having sex with girls, but he might be. Who knows? You know, his friends might be. So we can't you can't stick your head in the sand and pretend that kids are not going to have sex anyway at least this way you're educating them to protect themselves mm -hmm. and they're also educating girls to say no you know if if it's not okay with you then you say no and say you know no means no so it's a very different generation in terms of like um not sex shaming each other mm -hmm. because i remember like in high school certainly you know if you if you did have sex they called you a slut if you didn't have sex, they called you frigid. Well, like a prude mm. or, you know, like you have a stick up your ass. So you couldn't win either way. Like, so if you don't have sex, it's a problem. If you have sex, it's a problem, but only for girls, not for boys. So they used to sex shame girls all the time. And I love the fact that this generation is a lot more open and they're not sex shaming. And what's really interesting is that they are because of this education, the studies are showing they're actually less likely to have risky sex and do things that we did because they're actually being educated as opposed to us. So we were just like on our own trying shit and getting advice from other 13 year olds, mm. you know? So, yeah, I think it's a different world now. I think even with, with COVID going on, I don't know what it's like being a kid mm -hmm. and even being close to another kid. If you're freaked out by it, or right. you, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a totally different world than when we would went through it. But how would you feel? Because you, you got two boys and they're relatively young. So when they were in middle school, when they were in like, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, mm -hmm. would you have wanted them to be given condoms by the school? Sure. I mean, it's if, if you don't use it, it's a balloon. It's a it's a fun toy. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean. Sure. I don't want a grandkid. I definitely don't want a grandkid when the kid is seven, eight years in seventh or eighth grade. That's crazy. Because right. like if you think about it, I mean, I had really woke parents where they were like they had the conversation with me. They taught me about sex when I was 10. And then when I had a boyfriend in high school, they were like, and if you want to have sex, you know, and they gave me condoms and they told me about, you know, what to do, what not to do. And that kind of thing. My mother was like, do you want to get on birth control? I was like, no, I'm not. No, <laughs> like, mm. no. But but thanks. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks, thanks for the awkward conversation, mom. Um, I just, you know, not every parent is like that. So there's a lot of parents that are not having that conversation and, and kids are not going to walk into like a CVS and be like, you know, can I buy condoms? I don't know what age you're allowed to buy them anyway. So, yeah. And that's a, that always freaked me out when you have to be a certain age to buy condoms. Right. <laughs> you should be able to buy condoms yeah. if you're six. It doesn't matter what age you are. And I remember my mom got on me bad because I took a condom from my stepfather's drawer to mm -hmm. use. And she gave me crap about it. I'm like, do you want to have grandkids? Why? Right. What, what are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah. I'm 17. You want grandkids? I mean, right. But that that's the point. It's like. Of, of course, you should use a condom if you're going to have sex at 17, because if they say, well, don't have sex, right. A 17-year-old mm. is going to be like, oh, you know what? Totally horny, like highest sexual. I've been dating the same girl for three years. What do you, what do you right. think? Well, there's that too. But I mean, like your sex levels are the highest ever. Right. And you're going to be like, well, you yeah, better abstain. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remember getting in that fight 
with my mom going, really? Are we fighting about this? <laughs> Sorry, I'll repay yeah. you the dollar. Sorry. Right, right. Yeah. My favorite <laughs> thing is one of the schools that I went to, they had an abstinence program, but it was like it was voluntary. And um, all the gay kids signed up <laughs> because they were like, that's because, you know, they weren't out yet. So it's like, you know, yeah, oh, I'd love to have sex with you. I'd love to put my penis in your vagina. Hmm. But, um, you know, I'm, at, I'm with this abstinence program, so I, I can't. I have the ring Sorry, and everything. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, they didn't want to come out and be like they weren't they weren't out yet. I mean, some were, but not all of them were. Hmm. So it was a good way to stay in the closet and not feel like you're pressured to have sex with the opposite sex when that is not your interest at all. So it was great. People think I'm obsessed with this, but I'm OK with it. The Cooper and Anthony Show. Larry David, where do you rank him as one of the funniest guys? Is he pretty, is he high up there? Yeah, I mean, I think he's really clever. He's really funny. I mean, he came up with the concept for Seinfeld. Now, whether you think Seinfeld is funny or not, I don't think it's funny. I don't like that show, Hmm. but I do give it its props. I do realize that the show about nothing and the, you know, some of their iconic episodes like, you know, the masturbation episode or you know, some of the the lines that people, classic lines that people still say to this day came from that show. Mm-hmm. Um, I do watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's a little cringy, but I like some of the actors in it. And sometimes it's funny. I don't know. I think, you know, I rate him. I think he's funny. Yeah, I there's a uh, video today of Larry David on quick uh, a show. I forget what show it is. He's talking about football and Larry David, if you were the king of football, if you were the commissioner, if we could grant you that, what would you change in football? (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) What would you come up with and change? I'm losing the goalpost. (laughs) Why? Why are there goalposts? Okay. Why? Why are kickers? Mm -hmm. Okay. Who have... They don't have football skills. They, mm-hmm. They're not football players. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're wonderful people, mm-hmm. but they're not football <laughs> players. Why? Why? Ha, why are they kicking a ball through goalposts to decide games? <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's a first of all, goalposts are a relic from the old English rugby. I think. Okay. You know when they used to actually run and and kick a ball through goalposts, mm-hmm. but they don't do that in the NFL. Right. There's no need for goalposts. <laughs> Get rid of these goalposts. You can't see around them. There's no use for them. Wouldn't the game be better without them? Think about it. Why not just have leaping frogs to decide games? See if a a frog can leap through a a little goalpost that you set up, okay, on the floor. And if if the frog can leap through the goalpost... Then, then do that. What? Why kick it through a goalpost? Well, it's not right. called. See, it's true. But most football games come down to the last minute of the game, and it's depends on whose kicker is better. Right. It so, does seem stupid when he phrases it like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you take out all the guys, all they did for sixty minutes before, then it doesn't make any sense because it just comes <laughs> down to that one guy. Right. And how good his leg is. It's freaking hey, brilliant. skill, like the guy on the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Justin well, Tucker, yeah. Why should this one player who does nothing but kick a ball mm-hmm. be deciding games when you have uh, how, how many people on a football uh, team? 11. Or, or 53. 53 men roster. When you have yeah. f- uh, 52 other players mm-hmm. who are actually playing. Mm-hmm. Right. This one person, this 53rd person, mm-hmm. is deciding games. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. That's brilliant. You know, I I told you this is the year I was going to get into sports. This is one of those things that like I'm I'm definitely interested and I agree with him. That makes perfect sense to me as a non-sports person. Right. Maybe. Yes. After I got rid of the goalpost. <laughs> oh no. This okay. morning. That's so that's we're checked off that one on the we're first list. Off, okay. That's number one. <laughs> goalposts out. Larry David, NFL commissioner. No more goalposts. I don't say nobody can make an argument for, for field goals. <laughs> and even extra points. There's no argument for it. So you're no. going for it on fourth down every time. That's what it goes every time. Every, every time. time. Uh-huh. Is this every old Jewish guy <laughs> in New York, his attitude, does they get fired up about everything. Everything, everything. <laughs> get well, rid of the kicker. What? Get rid right. of him. <laughs> right. 
What do you, what do you mean the price of bagels went up to a dollar fifty? I paid a dollar last year. Yeah, everything. They get upset about everything. Two That's minutes true. ago, he was fine. Now he's right. he's red faced. He's fired no conversions up. Do you know the famous story that because of Larry David, a guy that was wanted for murder, Larry David ended up being his alibi? No. Do you know about, you know about this? It's a very famous case. It's fascinating. There's actually a documentary made about it. Um, so, you know, Larry David filming Kirby Enthusiasm. You know, he's a big Dodgers fan, L.A. Dodgers baseball. Mm. And he was shooting Kirby Enthusiasm at the at the baseball game. And there was this guy who was sitting there with his son, like a couple of seats behind Larry David. And at one point, like he gets up and he walks near him and. You know, they were like, we're filming. Can you just sit over here? He's like, no problem. And he goes and he sits where they tell him to sit and whatever. And you can see the guy. If you're watching that episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, there's the guy over Larry's shoulder. Well, his like wife or somebody in his family was murdered while he was at the game Mm -hmm. and they thought he had done it. So they came after him and they threw him in jail. And he was like, no, I was at the game. Like, I didn't do any of this stuff. And it was Larry David. They ended up getting a early release of because, you know, the, you don't get any of that stuff until the episode comes out. Mm. But because this guy was being convicted and, you know, they wanted him for murder, they released the video of this particular scene early. And that was his defense. That was his alibi that he was literally there on camera sitting behind Larry David. Pause it. That's me right there. Right. You, that, I, I couldn't that's, have That's me him. not committing a murder. <laughs> right. And, and it's time. It's got the time on it. So you can right. see exactly what time I was there. And I wasn't killing Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Flo. At that time, I was with Larry David. Right. Isn't that amazing? That is great. What's going on here anyway? It's the Cooper and Anthony Show. Hong Kong has got an issue with running out of space. Okay. They're running out of space for people. <laughs> so the apartments are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So now there's an apartment building going up. The rooms are the size of parking spaces. <gasps> you can't live like that. That's like solitary confinement. Yeah, this is, uh, you can get anything from a 75 square foot apartment to a 220 square foot apartment. <gasps> I mean, 220 is small anyway. My very first apartment was 325 square feet. And I was like, I'm choking in here. Thank God there's a window. So but how no. do you live in 300 square feet? I mean, I was look, I was young. I was working all the time. I was hardly there. I literally just went there to sleep and shower. I didn't even eat there. I, I, bar- I know I had a kitchen, but I barely used it. But yeah, Didn't no, have a I bathroom? Mean, Oh, yeah, it was a really nice bathroom. Okay, so I had a bathroom and a shower because there are some apartments in New York that don't have showers or bathrooms. Right. No, no, they all have something to wash yourself. They, they have they have bathrooms and showers. You can't have an apartment without a bathroom and a shower. That's not legal. No, they have one for the whole floor. That's well, yeah, the there are really some... small apartments. Yeah, that... they do have shared. Yeah, they do have a shared space. But no, this was just a tiny studio apartment. That um, and I, the kitchen was like it was actually a kitchen with doors and you opened it up in this tiny little kitchen and the bathroom was tiny and it had like a little closet and dressing area, which was tiny. But then, you know, there was like this big space that I put a screen up and I put a couch on one side and the bed on the other. So I was like, well, the couch side's the living room and the, the bedside is the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> now, when people came over, like guys you were dating, did they mm. say, wow, this is small? Yeah, all the time. But I had lots of windows and I kept it open. So at least it was nice and sunny. And it was like a southern facing view. But, but so I had like a TV in front of the couch. And it was so stupid because it was like, are we going to make it three feet over to the bed? Or are we just going to hang out on the couch? Like, <laughs> where's this going? <laughs> Is it going over there or right here? And all my friends were like, why do you have a bed and a couch? Just have a pull out couch. Right. And then you'll have more space. I was like, well, no, I like. I have the screen, you see. (laughs) (laughs) How could you even have room for a couch and a bed? Well, it was like a, it was a small bed. It wasn't a huge bed, you know? Yeah. So so. you had like a twin bed in a, in a. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. (laughs) A a twin bed, a screen, and it wasn't even a full couch. It was like a two seater, like a, you know, a love seat kind of thing. 
Yeah, there's a house called Milo Miho House, allocated okay. 120 square feet for each family. More oh, than for a family. For a family, more a than whole... 300 people had to share six toilets. <gasps> no. Yeah, and the prices are insane. How much they're getting? The current asking price is 800 thousand to a million. <gasps> so 3,900 to 5,300 per square foot. Wait a minute. So they're charging a million dollars to live in 120 <laughs> square feet. That that doesn't feel. Oh, my God. That you know what? There you go. That's the difference between a collectivist culture and a individualist culture like Amer- an American would never. That would never be OK here in America. Yeah. Only in a- Japan. Only in Japan would they be like, oh, you know, that's, that's the price. Yeah. Well, these are marked as affordable homes. <gasps> affordable homes. You can live here. 300 people have to share six toilets but 120 square feet i mean my bedroom is bigger than that this studio is bigger than that right my studio was bigger than that so where do you put more than one i can see a couple i mean it's tiny but at least it's a couple where do you put more than two people yeah i don't know i mean i i don't know how you do it in your apartment it's you have a one bedroom one bath apartment I don't know yeah. how you do it with two people. Like, we got doors that we close. Is there a lot of time that he's in the bedroom? You're in the living room all the time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, I don't know how people can do that. I mean, we are in the same room together a lot. Like we can be laying in bed, watching TV or we're in the living room, eating something, you know, or in the kitchen cooking something together. But you know, once in a while, like I go to bed early, so I'm in the bedroom. He's in the living room all the time. Well, speaking of uh, Hong Kong, there's an interview today with a guy from Squid Game, the main guy. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. The, the um, I forget his name, but the creator. Yeah. So he, the main guy. And so they have to have an interpreter for the, the question. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the interviewer says, what is it like now to be able to go out and people know who you are? Right. Not knowing that this guy has been known in Korea for the past 20 years yeah he's famous in korea right so he's kind of like um kind of hate to break it to you but this wasn't my first movie i did i've done a lot maybe it's different in the states that people know who i am now uh but when i'm here people kind of know who i am yeah no in fact um, he's more than just like, he's a really, really well-known actor. He's won many awards. Um, I guess the Korean version of the Oscars, he's won several of those. I mean, if you go to his IMDb page, mm-hmm. he literally has 15 wins and 18 nominations. Wow. Yeah. He's a major, major actor there. He's, he's done 41 films and TV shows. Yeah, I'm the only one that can do interviews and not know who you are. <laughs> if you're going to have right. an interview on camera with somebody like that, do a little bit of research. Right. Before you yeah, do that's, that. That's the weird thing. Like, why would you just go ahead and start talking to somebody without researching them even a little bit? That's just bad interviewing skills. Yeah, because this guy's like, I, I'm famous. I, I can't walk down the street now. I don't know. Squid Game was a, a step down for me. Right. <laughs> Jung, Jung J. Lee is his name. Right. So I... I I let them dye my hair pink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I'm I'm rich and very famous. So Right. Yeah. He absolutely is. Oh shit, it's upgrade. It's the Cooper and Anthony show. How do you feel about you, know, you and I have had a conversation before about like when you go out for dinner and there's a group of people and you split the check. Like I had a friend in from Los Angeles today. And, you know, we, I, we, we just split the check. Like we just put two credit cards down. It's never an issue. Mm. You know, whatever I eat, we usually eat the same stuff. Like we both had salads, like whatever. And he, it was just split it easy, whatever. But I have a friend that says, if you can't afford to go out to dinner, you shouldn't go. Like if, if splitting the check or if it's going to be an issue with paying, then you just shouldn't go to begin with. Mm. But I don't think that's I think that's wrong because for me, it's not about what you eat or how much you eat or where you eat. It's about the company. Like, I don't care where I go with somebody. I just want to sit there and talk to it's them. Experience. You know? 
it's the experience of being with them, of seeing like my friend is in from Los Angeles only for a couple of days. So I, I could have just sat on a park bench with him. It didn't matter. He just had to have lunch. So we picked a place, you know, mm-hmm. but I always got screwed for years when I used to spend summers at the beach with my friends. We would take a house together and we would just, you know, go out. But I was I've been a vegetarian my whole life. Plus, I don't drink alcohol. So especially out at the beach, they get like a bottle of wine, they get champagne, they get vodka. Back then it was Cosmos. Everybody was drinking everything and they would eat steak and they get an appetizer. And I would sit there with my little sad salad. Occasionally I'd get a Diet Coke, you know, so and then at the end, the check would come and they would count heads and they'd be like, OK, that's one hundred twenty dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, I had a salad and a Diet Coke. Oh, it all evens out. Well, not for me. It's never going <laughs> to even out. I'm never going to have steak. I'm never right. going to have alcohol. It will never even out for me. So I got used to going in and saying to the waiter, I need a separate check mm-hmm. because I didn't want to be a dick, but I didn't have a choice. So it was always a problem. But now that we're older and we go out with couples, you know, I have this one couple friend that they pay and then next time they want us to pay. Right. That kind of makes sense to me. That's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, they could pay this time. We pay next time. But yeah, this one friend of mine is like, listen, if it's a problem, just don't you shouldn't be going out to to dinner. Well, that's the same way if you look at having a kid. A lot of people say, if you can't afford a kid, don't have a kid. Mm-hmm. So if that was the case, there would be no kids born. Right. <laughs> because <laughs> there would never be a time in my, because I'm the cheapest bastard ever. So there's no yeah. time in my life where I'm going to say it's a good time to have a kid because I'm going right. to say I, I can't afford it. Right. Um. So if you said I couldn't go out to dinner without being able to afford it, then I would never go out to dinner and I would always eat at home. No, but people's complaint about me was always like, well, if you're only going to have a salad and diet Coke, then obviously you can't afford to go out to dinner. So why are you here? It's like, no, I can afford to go out to dinner. I just don't want to pay for your dinner. Mm-hmm. It's not a question of what I can afford. It's a question of the principle, like what's right. Yeah. There's a why whole should friends, I buy your dinner? friends episode about that where, you know, Joey gets a, a water in a sugar packet <laughs> when they, <laughs> they separate the bill. He's like, no, well, no, I didn't. I had water in the sugar packet. That was like a dollar. So, yeah, I think it, it should go either one of two ways. If because I used to go out to, to lunch with friends all the time when we worked at that one station. Right. And mm-hmm. so one person would pay we, the same three people would go out on Thursdays and we would go to Cabo fish taco and we knew mm-hmm. one week Billy would pay one week I would pay and then so on. Mm-hmm. So that's how we worked it out. We just knew, all right, it's my turn now. We didn't even talk about it. We just knew I was up that time. Well, I got dicked over this one time. So I had this friend who she loved to go to whatever the place was, wherever the celebrities were going, wherever the paparazzi was going to be like she wanted to be seen. I mean, she was in radio. No one gave a shit about her, but she like she fancied herself in that realm. She was like, you know, well, if the cameras are here. I'm there. Mm-hmm. I would and I would go with her because I wanted to hang out with her. You know, she was like a big sister to me and she was sort of like, um, you know, like one of my mentors and whatever. So I would go to restaurants with her. But ones were like, you'd have to wait an hour for a table, sometimes more. We would wait an hour for a table. She would go up and she would say, you know, so she would keep bothering the hostess. You know, are we getting close? You know, that kind of thing. How, how are we doing now? Mm-hmm. How, where, where are we on your list? It's like she'll she'll come to. I've been a hostess. When it's your turn, somebody will let you know. Nobody forgot about you. You're good. And she would wait an hour, hour and a half for a table and we'd get to the table and they would hand us this menu with like all the food and the appetizer. Can I get you guys started on something? Now I'll just have a decaf. And that's all she would have the whole meal. Mm-hmm. Just a decaf. She would wait an hour and a half to get into the restaurant to say she was at the restaurant to potentially be photographed at the restaurant (laughs) to see if any celebrities showed up that she can talk about on the radio the next morning at the restaurant. And she would just have a a fucking decaf Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm I wait an hour and a half. I'm having a meal (laughs) like I'm eating. Right. 
So she couldn't afford it, but she wanted to go out anyway. But don't you think, like, think about that. You, you're you wasting a seat and a table. This poor waitress mm-hmm. who makes her money on the table turning over and knows there's a line of people back there who are going to have more than a decaf. It's one thing if you said to them, listen, I'm just having a decaf, but I'm going to tip you Go sit at the as bar. if I'm having as if I'm having a full meal. And she wouldn't. So she would pay like, you know, four dollars for her decaf and then like, you know, two dollar tip. So there, there's your, you know, you got six dollars out of her. Yeah. No, go sit at the bar or somewhere else. Don't don't take up a table. Right. Right. I thought point. that was so. Yeah, it was. And she would do it to me every time. Me like a sucker. I'd be like, no, tonight's the night she's going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> but Never we're going to see celebrities and I'm getting a steak, damn it. And she still gets a coffee. Right. Yeah. Wacky. Journey back in time. The Cooper and Anthony Show. Oh, that takes me back. So part of the book I'm writing now is I have a lot of interviews set up. I'm interviewing people of all different types and walks of life and all over the place. So I'm all I'm everywhere just running from interview to interview, which is good because I'm not supposed to be talking. And this way I just put a microphone in, in front of someone's face and just ask them one question. They just go. So it's been working out really, really well. So I had a little break in between. What's the, the one question? Um, well, the the next book is called The Cult of Celebrity. So we're I'm asking everybody from theologians to the executive producer of Showbiz Tonight to actors, uh, what is celebrity, and what you know where does it come from, and is there a godlike quality to celebrities, and just it's it's a really interesting it's actually a really interesting thesis for a book. It's um, the editor and I came up with it together. The idea of celebrity worship. There's a lot of research on celebrity worship and what that's about. So I'm exploring it a little further because celebrity worship is mostly stuff that just, you know, you hear about it in academic journals and it's pretty much, you know, unless you're in the world of research psychology, you're not going to know too much about the history of this stuff. So I'm trying to bring it out there uh, and I'm getting full perspectives from everybody from, like I said, theologians and priests and nuns and rabbis and uh, people in the industry, actors are talking to me. Um, editors, everybody possible. And when you're talking to, to, to these people, you ask them to be on the show too? Some of them, yeah. Okay. Mm, like so, Dog the body, Bounty Hunter? I haven't gotten to him he yet. He has a book coming out in August, so we're, we're going to try to get him on. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> he does. See if, yeah, see if I'll let, he'll let me interview him for my book. Okay. So, anyway, so I'm in between interviews, and uh, a girlfriend called me, and she said uh, she's got some party coming up. She's looking for a dress. Will I come run over to the mall with her and you know do a little shopping? So, you know, I, I have like an hour or so to kill. I can go look at dresses. I could be that other pair of eyes because, you know, the other option is that she's going to be taking photographs of it and sending it to me anyway where I am, you know. You might as well pictures. be there. Yeah, I might as well just be there, yeah. you know. So I go and I meet her and we're walking through um, one big department store. And I guess we're just like chatty in the midst of things and whatever. And there was a display case that was in a weird position. It was just sort of there right in the middle of nowhere, really. It wasn't anything logical. It was like, you know how when you're at the, at a, I don't know, like Macy's or something or Bloomingdale's or one of those kind of stores, you know, there's, there's the place that you walk. They have an, an area that is for walking. It's a pathway, and the clothes are on the side, and it's all very logical, and just about every store has it that way. Well, this one particular store had this weird display case, like right in the middle of the walking path, and she points to a dress. I look over. We're distracted. She walks right into this display case that obviously wasn't put up very well, and the whole thing tips over and breaks. What's in it? Um, Jewelry and little, like, you know... Uh, items of sorts, you know, little items. Did of you sorts. pick some up and run? No, oh. I'm, not, I'm not a thief. I wasn't there to steal things. <laughs> I was tall? just there to be a <laughs> conscientious observer it? of her dresses. Huh? How tall was it? Um, probably about four feet high. You know, it's like waist level. Yeah, like high. waist level. You know, so um, she knocks it over. Now it shouldn't have gone over. That's the first thing. Was it? Was it glass? Is that what broke? Yeah, it was like a. It was. It was like a glass plastic. Did you kind run? Of loose. No, we didn't run. No, because we were. She said, "Oh my God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And the woman came over, and one of the pieces in it had cracked because of the when the case came over. Mm-hmm. And the woman said, "You broke this necklace." Mm-hmm. And my friend said, "Well, I didn't break the necklace. It was in the case, and the case toppled over." And she said, "Yes, but you toppled it over. I saw the whole thing. You know, let me get the manager. You have to pay for this necklace." 
And my friend was like, I'm not paying for that necklace. I don't want the necklace. I wasn't looking at the necklace. It is your negligence that this was in the wrong place and not, you know. But the sales girl was like, I guess she was afraid that she was going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, we eventually worked it out with the manager. When the manager walked over and we said, you know, it was an accident. It wasn't put here properly. It's not our fault. And the manager was like, don't worry, don't worry. But the girl initially was like, you have to pay for this necklace. And we were like, why on earth would we ever have to pay? I mean, I wouldn't. I, she knocked it over. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know this girl. No, oh. but it was like, why would we have to pay for something that was broken in the store that we didn't? It's not like we were in like a little tiny shop and they have those signs that say, you break it, you bought it. Yeah. And I wonder how legally binding those are. If Like if you're looking at like a figurine and you drop it and it smashes, are you legally liable to pay for it? Is there some law that says... You have to pay for it, or is it just a sign they put up? That's a great question. I mean, they have signs that say not responsible for lost or stolen property, mm-hmm. but I think there are certain things they would be responsible for in certain scenarios. Like if I if I walk in somewhere and they have a coat room and they take my coat and they lose my coat, they can have that sign, but they actually – I've known people that have gotten their coat paid for. Well, it's all – if they want you ever to come back and not talk yeah. bad about them. But, right. But the whole thing is is if you break it, their insurance should cover that. That's why they have insurance. Well, I'm sure that's why when the manager walked over, she was like, don't worry, it's fine. But the sales girl who, I don't know, maybe she works on commission. And who knows what this, what her story was, but she panicked. And, you know, obviously she doesn't know the store policy or whatever the mm. situation. Maybe she's new there. But her immediate reaction was, you have to pay for this necklace. Oh, that's what mine would be, too, if I was in her position. But I, It wasn't broke when you before you walked in the store. You're the one that knocked it over. You should pay for it. I know, but it was... And, you know, it didn't break itself. It wasn't like we walked over to the case, opened the case, took out the necklace, broke the necklace. It was a case that should have been... That was not in a place a case should have been, first of all. For you to judge where a case exactly. should, should not be. Well, no. Well, it shouldn't have toppled over that easily. It's it's in, <laughs> it's in foot traffic. Yeah, but I mean, it's you, in an area with a lot of foot traffic. If fast and hit it, it's going to fall over. You know, I've seen people do this with strollers. They have a they're they're pushing a stroller and they don't see something and they and they topple something over. Mm. Does everybody who does that, everybody with a stroller or a kid, your kid's running around and doing stuff and the kid pulls something down. Are you then responsible to pay yes. for what your kid? I don't know. Are you? Yes, I would say yeah because I've been in that situation before where Brandon, when he was uh, uh, my oldest son, when he was uh, probably five years ago, mm-hmm. going to a store, he breaks a little figurine. I have to pay for it. Because he, like, it didn't break itself. He broke right. it. Right. Well, that's a little bit different, I guess. You know, because he walked over and broke a figurine. We didn't. We weren't even looking at the necklaces. We were like, we were just walking, and we bumped into this thing. Yeah, but that's if somebody came over. Your, if somebody came over to your house and broke your TV, they would have to pay for your TV. They wouldn't even have if to. they even if they weren't watching the TV. I'd like them to, but I don't think they'd have to. I don't think there's a law. I don't think I could say to a friend, hey, you broke my TV. You should pay for it. Let me call a lawyer. I mean, if there's a lawyer listening, call us and tell us what the legal things about this. Is. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. So if you're if you're a lawyer, if you know the answers to these questions, what what we are, what you are legally bound to do in this situation, 877-6-COOPER. Yeah, if Chad was at my house and he broke my TV, I wouldn't make him pay for my TV. I would go to his house and take his TV. Oh, that's what you would do. <laughs> and bring it back over to my house. Right? An eye for an eye in your world. <laughs> exactly, because he has a bigger TV than me. <laughs> well, today I got to tell you, today we felt like Chad's in a china shop. We we were Chad in a china shop after that thing fell over. Because after that, it sort of gives you that feeling of like you're the bumbling idiot. Like after that, we were afraid to go anywhere and touch anything. It mm-hmm. was like, now what's going to happen? Because it was such a random thing. And oh, that case came toppling down. I felt terrible, and I, and I and I stopped to you know to say, oh, let me you know let me help pick it up, and I thought the sales girl was going to go, you know, thanks for your help, don't worry about it. And so she was like, and the way she said it was so like, you have to pay for this necklace. Mm-hmm. I would like I said I would have said the same thing because that's what I would think if you broke it, you'd have to buy it. Um, it's a huge department store, and mm-hmm. I think that we wouldn't be responsible. I would think if you've been in that situation, I want to know if you had to pay for something that you broke or your kids broke. And how did that happen? I, I want to know about that. Yeah, I want to know about that too. Eight seven seven six Cooper. We got to find out uh, because I think it might be a law that you guys broke the necklace. You should pay for the necklace. But then again, there is insurance for that reason. But still, I'll tell you what did happen. I have a friend who is um, she's obese. She's she's very very she's a very very large. She's over four hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. And I know that when I go out to to dinner with her, I know she likes to sit on a banquette. You know, she likes to sit in a place where she's comfortable. But we went to this one restaurant where they put her in a chair, and it was like, 
I guess it was one of these cutie cutie pie little boutique kind of places, and the chair was kind of like a little antique kind of chair. And it wasn't it wasn't a small chair, but she's a very large woman, and she sat in the chair, and the chair broke. Wow. And she felt horrible. Um, and you know she was she was embarrassed, and the person was embarrassed, but she paid for the chair. And they said no, it's fine because they, they felt so bad for her. She insisted. She wrote them a check right there. Mm-hmm. She was like, whatever the, whatever it is, I'm paying for it because she was just so humiliated. I felt terrible for her. But um, she insisted. They didn't even say, I wonder what they would have done. They didn't They didn't insist on her paying for it. She insisted initially. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'd make her pay for it. I don't know if they would have. She just felt badly. Mm. You know. Now, Rick, now in the situation that, that I was in today, should we have paid for that necklace? Well, I'm not. Sure, but I can tell you, I used to work uh, in retail. I don't know if you want me to say the store, but the comp- the is it a chain? Store, yeah, it's a chain. Chain. Okay. It was Sears. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. Uh, and there was insurance that covered that. When we went through employee training, they they specifically told us, as a matter of fact, if a customer breaks something, not to give them a hassle about it, to say, you know, it's okay, especially if it was an accident situation. Mm-hmm. And breaks what kind of thing? Like if, if you're trying on a sweater and the zipper breaks or you actually, like the kid pulls pops down a... Pops over a TV or something. Yeah, pops yeah. up a TV. Like does it, does it matter how much the thing is or what the thing is? Well, and this was, you know, like uh, 15 years ago. So it, maybe things have changed, but I can't imagine. But no, it was really pretty much anything. You know, if, if people uh, were legitimately, you know, trying on clothing or, um, you know, they picked up a golf club and the head fell off or something like that. They just told us to to uh, mark it as, uh, you know, break. Damaged or whatever, mm-hmm. broken, yeah. Yeah, and just it, it all went back to some black hole in the corporate. <laughs> <laughs> so that whole you break it, you bought it thing is just for, like, little boutique shops to try and get away with it. Yeah, I think it's a way they don't have to put a claim on their insurance, you know, ah. and uh, possibly cause their insurance to go up. Ah, oh, okay, that See, makes sense. But the sense, big companies... You know. They can afford that. Exactly. Oh, yeah, it's part of what they do. Understanding now. Yeah. And they have something, uh, sorry about this word, but they have something they call shrinkage. Right. What, that, which is... You um, don't like that word. I know you don't like that word, but in the world of retail, it Water means... Water is cold. It's <laughs> <laughs> not what it means. <laughs> in the world of retail, it means uh, stuff that's been, <laughs> that's been stolen. That's your theft charges. And the air is cold, too. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's I won't say reason. that word around you anymore. Um, now, Drew. Hey, Drew. Hey, guys. Now, so what's what's the situation here when this happens? Uh, you're not responsible for it. I mean, the store is responsible for where the merchandise is placed and how it's placed. Mm-hmm. And if they place something in a position where it can be broken, well, that's their responsibility. If they place something that can be broken where where it can be, then that's their responsibility. I actually, uh, two years ago, my son, who was four years old at the time, was walking backwards and ran into this expensive glass table. <gasps> and the way it was sit- sitting, he, he knocked it over, shattered it. Oh. I, even, I even offered to pay for it, but they said, no, it's fine. That, you know, that's, you know, it's their, even said it's, it's their responsibility for how it's placed. Oh. So. That would have been very expensive. See, I, the necklace was maybe a hundred bucks or whatever, but the the woman's reaction was so like, "How dare you!" It was so weird. It was like, and I couldn't believe that in this big department store she was going to make us pay for this broken mm-hmm. necklace. Yeah. It was and, so and weird. And that's just a matter of how it's placed, and that's why you'll see in a lot of places expensive breakable items are in a case where it's locked and it's a secure case that can't be knocked over. And you have to get someone to get it out for you, mm-hmm. and that 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 uh, greatly reduces the possibility of it being broken accidentally. Right, exactly. And that wasn't the situation here. Mm. Um, now, Lauren, you're a pre-law student, huh? Yes. Now, what's the is there what's the legal situation here? Do you know? Yeah, the legal situation is that you're as a customer, you're not responsible for anything. In most states, they require retailers to have insurance and. It's stupid if they don't for their own good anyway because, you know, any number of things can happen to their merchandise. There could be, you know, a fire or there could be a robbery or customers can just break things. And that's all going to fall under the same, um, you know, category of incidents. So, so, you know, they can make it sound like like you have to pay for it. And in some instances they might, Mm -hmm. but um, customers should know that, 
that no, they're not responsible. To, you're not responsible to pay, especially in a, obviously in a big department store for a little necklace. So even if they have the little yeah. sign that says "You break it, you bought it." Yeah. They can't hold you to it. No, they <gasps> can't. Oh, that's so it's good to know. A little, a little deceptive, you know, plea that they might put in there. But but most places don't. They don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I know that. I mean, maybe in some smaller gift shops they might. They might try to pull that one over on you, but I mean, that if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. The same thing could, you know, if, what would happen if somebody robbed their store, if their, you know, store caught on fire, what would they do? They right. would get out. So. Right, right. And if I was there when the store caught on fire, would I be responsible for the, everything if in the, the store? If you lit the fire. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, well, I guess if I lit the fire. Yes. Then that's arson. That's a whole other thing. And, <laughs> okay. then, I, and then I really need Lauren. Um, so what have you broken in the store? What have you been in a store and it just shattered? <laughs> that's it. Um, hi, Vicki. Hi, Cooper. Now, what's what's your take on all this? Well, I worked in retail for a long time, and we used to do a lot of displays of things like Waterford Crystal and things like that. Oh, you're just asking for trouble with that stuff. Absolutely. Well, of course, you have a lot, a lot of people come in, bump the, the shelves. I have had countless people break six and eight hundred dollar vases. <gasps> the only thing you can do is get a broom and a dustpan and clean it up and smile and tell them it's all right. Wow. Now, why would the store take that chance? Why would they display something of that level, at, you know, so, so that people can knock it over? For sale reasons. Oh, because they, they sold more than they broke. In a package. Right, right. You know, so, and, and I've broken, I don't know how many things, stocking things. And I always thought when I first worked there, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to pay for this. But it was like, no, it just kind of goes to the shrinkage. Ah, like, stop it with just... that word. <laughs> <laughs> the boys, they okay, can't well, handle it. Okay, well, it goes to the, to the dispensing of the bonuses, which means you get less. <laughs> oh, is that true? Yes. Oh, it definitely wow. affects your bonus because it's part of your overall, you know, bottom line. Right, right. So it, it's it's horrible, but nobody can make you pay for anything. Oh, that's good to know, especially mm-hmm. in a big department store. Now, Melissa, we had a um, a law student call a few minutes ago who said the same thing Vicky just said. They can't make you pay. Is that true? Uh, Cooper, first of all, I love your show. I listen almost every night on the way home. Oh, that's really sweet. Thank you. And you're an attorney, so if you're listening, that's important. <laughs> I, I am an attorney. I don't practice in this area, but my guess is it's a negligence issue. And a lot of times, stores are going to want to fight over that, you know, whether they had displayed it in the proper way or had put it in an area that was open to being broken. So big stores like Sears or whatever aren't going to fight that. My it's not worth little, it. I'm sorry? It's not worth it for them to fight a negligence lawsuit against, especially if, if they might have been in the wrong, like today. Exactly. And like the chair incident you mentioned, I could be more afraid of the lives she got hurt than they would about the cost of the chair. And that's what the manager said. He said, no, just the fact that you're fine. But she, I think she was very embarrassed. And I think she's been through it before. And look, let's she's got money. So it was fine with her. She didn't care. Right. <laughs> she didn't mind writing the check. <laughs> but um, also, OK, so that's glad, interesting. So we're glad to have the incident over, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, so so it does so it comes it can come down to negligence, so it's just a matter of whether the store owner is going to pursue it or not. Probably, that's my guess. I mean, I think that makes the most sense legally because there's no way, um, you know, the law would have a different rule for big stores versus small stores. I think it's just one approach, and it's just whether they actually the cost of business is worth pursuing it. Right, and my my guess is, and I could be wrong. My guess is that the people who have those little signs in their smaller stores, they don't want to pay the insurance. Exactly. So they're, they're hoping that you, you pay for the item. I won't report it to insurance. Everyone's happy. My, my rates won't go up. My rates won't go up. Yeah. Right, exactly. Well, I think you're wrong there, as our next caller will tell you. Oh, is you. that true? Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. Hi, Leah. Hey. Now, what's the insurance situation here? Well, I sell business insurance. I mainly do it for small stores, and I definitely don't do it to department stores. So maybe it's different there. But with mm-hmm. these small retail stores, um, breakable things are basically self-insured. We don't give them insurance for things that just get broken. It's really for a fire or, you know, theft is mm-hmm. definitely included in insurance. But if they break something, they basically eat it. Like the other lady was saying, it comes out of their bonus, the bottom line. It, that basically is exactly right. 
it's coming off their bottom line at the end of the year. It's not an insurance claim that they can put in. Because the deductible would be so astronomical that it wouldn't be worth it. Well, yeah, most deductibles for the small retail shops are either five hundred or a thousand, mm-hmm. um, and you know, for a hundred dollar necklace, it, it doesn't even come into play. Right. Um, but for a Ming vase, then you could turn that into insurance, right? <laughs> well, no. I mean, we're not going to insure it just because it gets broken. Wow. That's not what your insurance is for. Your insurance is for catastrophes, for a fire, for theft. You know, for that kind of thing. You don't get insurance just because you break it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to call you and tell you that somebody stole the Ming vase. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Anthony, that's called insurance fraud. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, this is why you. This is why you're not in the retail business. <laughs> they stole it, but when they're running out, they broke it. <laughs> it was a whole chain of events. You should have been there. There was a monkey involved. I don't know how they trained the monkey to do all that stuff, but Leah, you should have seen it. Right. <laughs> can you ins- can you insure a monkey in a store? <laughs> If I, if, I, if I literally go and hire a monkey to work a store, can I insure him as an employee? Well, you know, get pictures, you know, for the, the insurance. We'll, we'll need pictures for that. <laughs> <laughs> Always with the pictures. Yeah, the pictures are the best. I'd love to see a picture of a monkey, like, taking, taking money from somebody. Right. That would be interesting. Now, Debbie, what kind of store? Do, do you work in a store? Do you work in a situation where customers can come in and break stuff? Well, <clears throat> I am a small... Uh, store owner within a large store. They mm-hmm. provide the workers. We stock our booths. Um, we decorate them ourselves. And so whatever is broken in there, we are responsible for. So we don't get any money back for that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's no insurance. Now, we have li- had liability insurance so mm-hmm. that if they tripped over the rug and broke their leg. Um, You're you know, insured that for that, covered. yeah. But if they break something of ours, um, the store would say that's okay, but then we're the ones that would have to go pick up the item that was broken uh, and just write it off as a loss. And, and is that why they tr- that the people would try to say, you know, you break, you bought it, because that way at least you try to recoup a little of it? Right, because, I mean, I've seen people take a cart, and uh, one day a lady was going down the aisle. She ran into this very expensive rooster. She saw me see her break it, and she turned around and walked off anyway. <gasps> a hit and, and run! Yeah, and then I've had people that have hidden things in my booth that they've broken, or they've hidden it in somebody else's booth that they've broken, and <gasps> it's just it's all of a loss on us. So I can see where the bigger stores may not have so much of a problem, but those of us who were small potatoes, we really, that is a huge uh, lost for us. So what's the best way for me to handle? Let's say let's say I'm in I'm at your booth and you're busy with a customer and I'm looking at something and I break it. What what should I say to you? I'm sorry, I just broke this. Should I what what's the best way to handle it? Well, the best way would be to take the item up to the desk where the the, the most people are and I know what they would do. They would just tell you don't worry about it and they would take the item and stick my number on it and I would still get it back broken. Oh god. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, they don't they don't make people pay for things, which is too bad because those of us that like I said, we pay a lot of rent to be right. in these places and then, you know, buy the merchandise and it's such a close call to even break even, much less even, you know, make any money from it. So, See, this is an interesting lesson because it's something con- to consider if you're thinking about going into business for yourself. These are the hidden costs you don't think about. Now, when, if, you're, when you're, if you have something that's breakable, and if you have breakable items, that's going to cost. That's going to be part of your your profit margin. And theft. Oh, and, and they're theft. Very, very. I, I once had eight watches stolen off of a locked fixture. <gasps> oh my! When people are set on getting something. They find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, at the end of the year, is that something, can you write those things off on your taxes as losses? You can, but you know what the percentage is that you really get back on that. It's, yeah. it's, it's minimal. It's, it's just minimal on that. You should hire Anthony. He's very good at insurance fraud. Right. <laughs> he has they all kinds it. of ideas for you. The, somebody came in, stole those watches, and then, no, they didn't break that, and they stole a big thing of gold, too. <laughs> <laughs> we had a big chunk of brick of gold. They ran out with it. <laughs> it was my only gold bar right. that I had.
<laughs> I was going to melt it down and make earrings. And a diamond <laughs> this big. <laughs> Just ran out. And they stole it. Yeah, I have a photo of it on the internet. Here, I'll show you. <laughs> now, Sabrina, what do you think about all this? What's your take on this? Oh, I'm with you 100%, and I am huge on customer service. And once she started telling me that, the calls would have come out. Mm-hmm. I would have been, you know, no, you just, I don't think that was appropriate whatsoever. And I had a situation, we were at the beach, and it was one of those tacky little beach shops that had all these little gadgets and toys and stuff. And who doesn't love those stores? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I went in there because my son wanted to go to my niece. Mm-hmm. Well, my son picked up one of those little squishy things that had the little, animal, little plastic animals floating around that had yep. blue water in it. Mm-hmm. He picked it up, and as soon as he picked it up, it, it just sprayed all over me. It had a hole in it. Oh. So I asked, the, there was a woman there and her daughter that owned the shop, and I asked them if she had a paper towel, and she just stood there and looked at me for a while, and said, finally, she gave me a paper towel, and I'm trying to, you know, I've got blue all over my pants, I'm trying to wipe it up, and she looked at me, and she said, you're going to have to pay for that. <gasps> Did you say, and you're going to have to pay for these pants, said, which is five times the price of this little globe? Exactly. I said, you can pay for my dry cleaning, hello, that little piece of crap, you know, that you had laying there, mm-hmm. and, and this woman walked in, she was trying to get by and I said go ahead she said no you go ahead she said you do what you got to do I sit there and wanted me to pay for this cheap little thing and like I said I had blue water all over me oh my after they ruined your pants yes how did it end Uh, I threw the napkin down walked out good yeah no didn't pay for it oh good yeah that's weird I mean it's one thing if it just broke and then she was having the conversation but she also ruined a pair of pants there Mm -hmm. I mean those are pants you know it's not easy to find pants that fit you well, she didn't actually spray it. Her kid did, but I know. But still, you know. But the thing was broken. It, pi- it was picked up broken. Mm-hmm. It was a flawed item to begin with. Okay. That's, that's the responsibility of the store person, I think. Now, Phil, what what have you broken? Um. Well, first of all, I want to say I love your show. Listen all the time. Thank you. That's very sweet. Thank you. Um, I walked into a music store in the Charlotte area. This is years and years ago, mm-hmm. and there was a very expensive uh, custom-made guitar hanging up, <gasps> and I walked up, looked at it, got it down. You know, what kind of guitar was it? Played Stairway to Heaven. Uh, it was a custom shop Jackson. Oh, okay. About uh, just under two thousand dollars. So I hung it back up and looked secure. Turned, walk away, and the next thing I hear is smash <gasps> on the floor, and I just froze because I knew exactly what it was. Oh. And I turned and looked, and there it is, laying on mm. top of the no. equipment, but just gigantic scars down the front of it and it was horrible <gasps> and uh, yeah i think this guy works in every music store long-haired guy walked over casually looked at it, said eh, that's why we got insurance oh thank goodness oh yeah oh i thought I, you were gonna say um sir that'll be two thousand dollars please that's exactly what i was thinking so i started backing towards the door and never went back <laughs> well, no, see, now you should go back because it's a place that, you know, they don't hold you responsible. You go there and just break stuff. Mm-hmm. Pull, like, pull like a whole Pete Townsend. Go there and just smash stuff. Well, I don't think you can do then that. Then it becomes right. vandalism. And yeah, yeah that's really true. That's a whole yeah. other thing. Yeah, that's true. 